Welcome to Everyday Illuminations. I'm Amy Leiter, and this is my co-host, Matthew Stafford. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining again. This is episode number two, and we're really excited to share this episode with you because if you listened to the first episode, you learned a lot about me and kind of my awakening journey and how Amy has helped guide me through that. But this episode is really interesting because we get to actually hear about Amy and her experiences with awakening and her journeys and how she's also been able to take her personal experience to be able to help people um, as a therapeutic guide and with her work. So Amy, really appreciate you um, taking the time for this and sharing with everybody. I think it's a really great podcast. And unless you have anything else, I think we're going to jump right in. All right, so I guess we'll kind of start at the very basic beginning. Can you explain what awakening means? Yeah, yeah. So for me, really awakening is a conscious shift. And when we say conscious shift, it's starting to notice things in your life, maybe the patterns that have been going on that you want to change. And there is an energy behind our entire collective becoming more conscious. And so, you know, people going to therapy, people doing plant medicine, people really exploring um, their intuition. And as we all become more conscious, that's how the world evolves and changes, right? And so, you know, the idea of awakening, some people may call it a healing process. Some people may call it mindset shifts to make changes. And so at the end of the day, it's, people understanding that there is more, there's more fulfillment, there's more to your life, and that you can have more than we've been told or conditioned to believe. Yeah. And I think what's great about that is that it can happen at any point in anyone's life, right? It can start very early on, it can start middle age, later age, however you deem, you know, kind of those age groups. Um, But it's kind of whenever you tune in and decide to, you know, tap into your consciousness and the collective um, outside of you that you are a part of. So with that in mind, when do you think awakening began for you? Do you remember kind of an age or time period, um, any milestones in your life when you kind of started down the path to awakening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there were, I think, a lot of moments leading up to it. I think the biggest one is the fact that I'm adopted. And I was having health issues and we couldn't quite figure out what was happening. And so I began searching for my biological parents to get some of those answers to my early life or my biology. And I think that's pretty common. But that same time, I was a graphic designer and I was feeling, even though I was good at my job and I was earning money and doing well, like by means I was successful. And then there was just this feeling of a lack of fulfillment, but it it was deep. It wasn't just like, oh, I need to switch jobs. And the more that I switched jobs or tried to make graphic design work, the more that feeling of um, unease and and like lack of fulfillment was magnified. And so I think from there, um, I went to therapy during this whole process and the therapist had asked, um, have you ever heard of art therapy? And so that kind of led me down a path of going back to grad school. I only applied to one and was, this is it. Then, you know, it's kind of like universe, show me. And um, I interviewed, I did my portfolio, um, which was a whole thing within itself. I had to recreate a portfolio because it got lost in the shuffle of some moves. And so um, really it was a real act of faith and belief. And so I kind of believe that my awakening started around then. And um, I ended up attending Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. And that is a mindfulness Eastern sort of based school. And so um, meditation became part of my life early on. And if you told me that my entire practice and approach to healing and um, growth really was based on mindfulness or would be based on mindfulness, I would have never believed that, you know? So so really following that path of guidance, and now I know it was my intuition, led me to discovering that freedom really is in the present moment. Freedom begins 
and all of our future, all of our decisions are actually made in the present moment. The future is created there. And so from that, when you kind of combine that with awakening, we have decided that there's something more and we get more attuned to ourself and our body and our minds in the present moment and then make decisions that are in alignment with the future that we want to create. Do you think that when you had to redo your portfolio going through that process, do you think that that was kind of like a reset for you? And I'm interested in whether or not what you produced having to redo it, were you trying to recreate things that you liked from your previous portfolio or were you using it as a clean slate and really creatively pushing forward from there? That is an interesting process. Um, when I was a graphic designer, I worked at McLean Finland, and one of my bosses, Kay, her husband, Mark Howell, is, is an artist in Denver. And um, I was kind of panicking because throughout my life, I wouldn't say I was a great artist. I was not channeling and creating, you know, the movie Soul, like the animated movie Soul, where they're like in flow. I did not have very many experiences of that until I was in grad school. Um, and like being an art therapist, a good portion of what we did was creating art or creating a project and like really going through a process. Um, and I think I had so much fear of failure most of my life. And maybe part of that is being adopted. Part of it maybe was like a parallel or past life. Thing that I was carrying but you know my Chiron is in Aries so it's really learning the wound of self you know learning how to accept all of who you are and then I have a Leo rising so it's like being seen and Sagittarius Sun spirituality so I think I always lived in that realm of imagination when I was little but there were a lot of experiences that happened that I think really led to like crushing my imagination and I think after that I created art being more worried about the product I created art being more worried about um how I will be viewed or seen and so my portfolio that had been created right was for my undergrad at Ohio University so it already existed um but the interesting part was when I had to recreate my portfolio, I met with Mark Howell. I remember it so clearly at a coffee shop um, at St. Mark's in Denver. And um, I was asking him what was possible because I literally had to start from scratch and I had three months to create 20 pieces that like represented who I was as an artist. And I didn't know who I was as an artist, right? because I had been a graphic designer for a number of years. And I think that also led to that product feeling, right? Versus the process feeling. So I hadn't been painting, I hadn't been using charcoal, I hadn't been doing all of these things. Um, so the route that I went to is I decided to make pieces on the computer, print them on canvas. And so they were all like 12 by 12 squares for the most part. There were some other pieces that were drawing and other things, photography. But I did um, a collage of photography, graphic design, and then I painted on top of it. Oh, wow. And so all of the pieces, I wouldn't say, were thoroughly flushed out. But um, I created from real experiences. Like there's one about Minnesota, moving to Minnesota. There was one about being adopted. So they had themes. But like by no means was I creating freely and creatively in flow. Um, I did, you know, pastel figure drawings I had to redo, you know, from like whatever. Um, so I did piece it together and make it happen. And I remember in the interview, I remember Krista um, asking me, you know, if I would try other mediums and how like probably strict and like confined some of the pieces felt. And I think I just said, yes, like I'm open to make a lot more. And I probably did tell her what happened. Um, but even my figure drawings, this is the funny part. This is just like the, the manifester in me being willing to break the rules. I did a figure drawing that was on eight and a half by 11. I just blew it up and cropped it into like the size. So it looked bigger because I understood what I needed to show. You know, I understood that it needed to tell a little bit of a story about who I was. And then 
we all had to make art together as a group in in person at the interviews and you know I just felt like I was gonna be there so I just had to meet the requirements and it's so funny that that came up later during my program that it's like meet the requirements but you need to fully have an experience to become the practitioner and the person you want to be so I don't know does that clearly answer what you asked I know it was a roundabout way to get there but no it definitely does and I think it's super interesting that you know, I, I relate to the portion you were saying, not in the creating art part, but just in an awakening, you know, sense, when you were saying creating art with kind of that end goal of how was I going to be judged? How is it going to be viewed and not being in that flow, and in that process at that time, because you're so worried about it. And I think I talked about a little bit of that on on the podcast we did where, where you were interviewing me, you know, saying I was doing all of these things for for other people, right? And not being in in the now and in the moment, which was allowing me to be in the flow and really enjoy the experience on the way to to the end point, right? And Absolutely. I think that that's so important because if you're not experiencing it for what it is when it's happening, when you get to the end point, you don't have it anymore, you know. And I think yeah. a lot of our a lot of us think that way in in day to day or have. For, for so long. And that's something that I've really learned during awakening myself is that, you know, to that presence and that enjoyment of not just trying to reach the end, but, you know, playfully getting there, enjoying the experience. It reminds me of one of my favorite things that, that you kind of shared, and I'm hoping you would share it now. Um, you'd mentioned soul and the flow, but one of my favorite things that you kind of brought up was the Eastern Australian current in Finding Nemo and kind of how that applies. And I'm kind of just hoping right now, maybe you can explain that to the yeah. listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's sort of, um, as I've learned to be intuitive, when I became a therapist, there was a point where making art, I knew wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And so I think one of my gifts that either my guides or my higher self is metaphor. And so, you know, what you're speaking to is something that I was saying a lot in session to clients. We were talking about the fifth dimension. And um, there's this part in Finding Nemo where, you know, multiple characters go into the Eastern Australian current with the sea turtles. And um, what is it, Crush? It's just like kind of like surfer, like, hey, dude, like everything's great, you know, and it's like that is the experience of fifth dimensional energy, right? Full self-acceptance, like being in the present moment and seeing what's there for you and like you choose how you get to look at it. And, you know, I think multiple characters go in and out of the EAC and so I think what you're referring to is I started talking about flow that way. And the way that flow looks is like you get to stay in the current and you're in flow, you're in flow. Maybe you get triggered by a coworker or a family member or your partner or your kid. And sort of like when they exit the EAC, they get bounced around and it's a little, little chaotic. And like when they enter a little bit too, that when we get triggered and we fall out of flow, that's what happens, right? So we're angry, we're feeling these emotions. If we stay with it, we can return to the flow and that experience of like floating and swimming and like being here. And that's what we're being called into now. Like this time is really rich at the end of the year is really rich in removing obstacles that are in the way of us stepping into our purpose but it's almost like we create even more barriers to it by thinking the old way, thinking the 3D way, like, oh, I have to get this degree, this certificate program. I have to be able to handle anything that comes up. And it may actually just be like, can you stay in the present moment? Can you stay in flow of your unique gifts and what you're here to offer? Then that's all you have to do. Like you'll know what to do if you're connected to your intuition your heart space, which connects you to your soul, and your third eye and crown, which connects you to your higher self, you know? And we get to walk through everyday life um, experiencing it. 
and we're just making it harder. Like everything has to be hard. Everything will be overwhelming. And that's like old paradigm. So a lot of us are just having to release our mindsets around how we become ourselves. Yeah. You almost become your own version of crush in that certain way, right? Where you're going, you're happy, and then you can kind of bring others in, right? And show them that it's okay, and they can hop in when they need to. It's like Nemo's dad. He was much more hesitant, right? Nemo was kind of like, let's go, let's go, right? But once Nemo's dad got in, he kind of realized for a little bit, like, oh, this was great. You saw this different version of him that you didn't see, and then you could see him kind of fight that again when he got out of the Eastern Australian current. Um, and I guess it goes back to kind of what we were talking about, the whole idea of the journey, not the destination, right? And I think that that's such a big metaphor for that as well, because they the current is going where it's going, and eventually they know they can hop out at any time, but it's just go with the flow and hop out when it feels right, or if something knocks you out, but it's still always there. And I think that that's a practice um, that I know that I work on all the time. It's like anything with meditation or just being in the present moment. You you have to catch yourself because our minds just will continually, you know, chatter and chatter if we let it and tell us all of these stories and all of these things that we think we need to be doing. Um, and we're creating that anxiety. We're creating that pressure on ourselves. Um, and a lot of times not showing up for ourselves. Do you still, when you're working with um, with clients and 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 other people, friends, do you still bring art into it sometimes, or is your approach um, moved further away from that, or is it something that, based on the individual, you kind of work with them on that? Yeah, I think um, when I was still in office before the pandemic, because how I went virtual is I was in the office until March 12th and had an art therapy studio as well that was separate. And on March 13th, because of the pandemic, we went totally virtual. Um, if I back up to how I started practicing um, as an art therapist, about a year before, I think, I started to realize that my intuition or like, not that I knew things about people, but I would, someone would bring an issue or a challenge and I would very clearly know. So I'm claircognizant and clairsentient. So that's clear knowing and clear feeling. Um, certainly other clairs come through like uh, clairaudience, um, clairvoyance. So the one that most people know is clairvoyance. I kept thinking clear vision and I'm like, no, but I need the term. So clairvoyance, right? Most people know that as being psychic, being intuitive. So there isn't a hierarchy. Everyone just will have the gifts that they have that are necessary. And it's just like anything else. You can play the piano well. Like I started knowing. And as a therapist, what you're there to do is like reflect and mirror and let the client kind of run the session. And I started to feel in conflict with some of that. And I was already functioning a lot more relationally. So I really wanted to stay within ethics. So what I started doing is, um, through Vanessa Henry, I was introduced to human design. And I already knew about astrology. So I kind of would ask people's birth dates and their place. And so I started bringing that in a little bit. But really, in, a, in my clinical practice, I brought in human design because there's actually a chart and you can talk about your energy, you can see the centers. And so it seemed like it related a little more specifically. So there was that that I brought in that helped a little bit. And then the other piece was Oracle cards. So they have art on them for anyone that doesn't know. Like I have a set with dragons. I have a set that's about star seeds. But the first one that I incorporated was the Animal Spirit deck, which to be PC, it should be Power Animal deck, but um, where there's animals and it tells you self-care tips. It tells you when you're in balance, it will look like this. When you're out of balance, it will look like this. But the Kim Kranz, it's a wild unknown deck, does a beautiful job of using ink and watercolor, or maybe she uses washa too. Um, and so that sort of started to become the art. And what I was actually showing people, I didn't know right away, 
was I would have them pull the cards and start telling me the feeling they got from the cards. So I was beginning to use the art on the cards to help people connect with their intuitive gifts and human design to show them how their energy works in their body. And the not self theme in human design just means you're out of strategy. So like for manifestors, if you get angry, then you know you're not doing something in your strategy, informing or being informed. Like with generators, it's like, are you lit up by what you're doing? If you're frustrated and not satisfied, then you know you need to shift something or kind of zoom out and look at your situation. So that's kind of how I departed from art. I was still using a lot of watercolor um, and some clients would draw. But in the office that I moved to when I started practicing outside of my studio, because the interns and other practitioners were using the studio, um, it sort of became a natural progression to that moment when I had to go virtual. I could still pull cards for people. I could still, you know, they could make art on their side, but it allowed me to keep practicing as what I would call a spiritual um, guide now you know, a therapeutic and spiritual guide. Um, but it allowed me to keep that flexibility and creativity of art therapy, you know, alive. And I think that that's what allows me to meet my clients where they're at so fully. And now I use, you know, Reiki and energy healing and a, a version of the emotion code that I was intuitively guided to, to help people move energetic blocks. But it's that same ideas with the cards. I like ask them where they feel sensation or pain in their bodies. We do guided meditation or visualization, and then they connect with their inner child or an aspect of self that needs to be reintegrated and needs attention, but it comes up in the physical sensations. Yeah. I've actually gone through that practice with you um, and can say it's extremely, extremely powerful Um, dealing with the shapes and the colors. And I never actually, put the two and two together. So I'm so glad I asked you that question. And even with the Oracle cards too, because, you know, when, when you hold community events, right. um, You will pull cards for people sometimes at the end. And now that I'm thinking back to some of those community events where you've done it, not just for me, but for others. And I'm listening, you are mentioning the colors and like the juxtaposition or how these go together and kind of, you are almost critiquing or you're talking about the art and how it relates to that and really tying that in so that's really cool I didn't I hadn't really thought about that yeah yeah, that. yeah. and one of the decks that I do use Jen Berlingo graduated from Europa you can still get it on Etsy I believe but it's called the soul space oracle and um you know that doesn't come with a book it's guasha it's you know, like art on the cards and it just has one word, like brave or strong or um, like authenticity, I think, and or authentic. And you actually project onto the card, right? It's just like viewing art anywhere or making your own art. You're having an experience with it. And it started with my interns, the process you're describing, like, um, what do you see in the card? How does it make you feel? holding that like always you have a story that's happening that's different than mine so every card is going to be you know unique to somebody else and what they see so I would even the cards that have a book I wouldn't have them look at the meaning first I would have them spend some time with the card first just like I did as an art therapist when we were creating yeah I love that um, now seems like such a, a good time since I, I briefly brought it up when I was talking about you pulling the Oracle cards and such, could you kind of talk about your virtual community events and, you know, how you got to holding those and, you know, what your purpose and vision is behind that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. So this podcast has kind of made me rethink a little bit and think about exactly what you're asking and so the idea of everyday illumination seems to be something that I'm focusing on Um, and really it means like we all have unique gifts to share and it's time for us to kind of lean in and share them and something that's come through recently for me is that whatever 
your gift is, whether it's art or music or energy healing, or um, maybe you buy a property that you allow people to rent for spiritual events, um, whatever that is, you know, caring for children while, you know, adults are in their purpose. Um, that the community is a place for people that are either awakening and new to spirituality or for people that are meant to be practitioners or are practitioners to come and share their gifts. And really each one, we it's still at, at a level where we can sort of check in and say what's up for us. I would like to hold that as long as possible. Um, and so at the beginning, we kind of check in. I talk about the energetics of what's happening in the world. And then usually I either will have a guest practitioner, like our last one, Lily Lazar did sound healing. And um, we did a guided meditation or I will do guided meditations or maybe we'll have a bigger discussion if there's a world event happening. But really it is a place for you to become who you are already you know, step out of the spiritual closet or share the gifts that you have to share with the collective in the world and really just be received and feel like it's a place where you can belong. And the reason that it's so important to me is because I did do this with women. This is a co-ed offering, you know, where like everyone is welcome. Um, but I did this with women during the pandemic. We met outside at a gazebo and a few times I rented space at a yoga studio when it was really cold out um, to really show up and create community because that is what the fifth dimension is about. It's not that, and it makes me laugh because I was talking to my friend Jenna earlier about this and I used this metaphor that, and not to hate on Pinterest, but it just created a culture where everybody's learning how to do everything and master everything, like DIY everything. And it goes against the grain of what we're creating as a new earth, as fifth dimensional frequency. It's like, you know, the idea was like, oh, I can go out and get a thrift table and paint it and like do all these things. But if that is someone's passion, like redoing an artistry and furniture, then like pay them to do it, trade them to do it. Like let, if someone is their absolute passion, like there's women here that cook amazing like African and Mediterranean food. And it's like, yeah, I could get that recipe and try to perfect it and make it. Or Saturday morning, I could go to the feria, the farmer's market and get several portions of it and put one in the freezer and one in the fridge and enjoy it and love it and know that it's their passion to create it. And so, you know, that's where I say this idea of Pinterest created this, especially in the United States, this idea that we have to be a jack of all trades and be able to handle everything and do everything and be the best at everything. And really what we're doing now is rewinding back to this idea that like, I really love helping people clear their energy and step into their purpose. I don't need to do more than that. You know, or if somebody is like Lily is a sound healer, she doesn't have to do more than that. She will be honored if it's in alignment and her heart and her soul's vision for what lights her up and what she's here to do. And and I think people are having to really like grapple with that, wrestle with that idea. And so community is a place where that can be true, where we can honor that and model that and reflect that and encourage each other. And the thing that I love is I have a lot of people that are friends and clients, or I just say part of my community now, but just to make that differentiation, that that they come every month, you know, and I would love to welcome more people in, into that, that, that connection. Yeah. And I, at least from my experience, you know, awakening is a very individual and very personal you know process of going through but you know and sometimes it can feel lonely and sometimes you can feel very energetic and excited but having a place with people that you can share where you're at and having that is i've learned is very essential you know i show up every month and it's a place where i really like to which was very out of 
character for me, I guess, in the past, which would be to show up and speak about where I'm at and my feelings. And it is it does feel so safe, but it allows you to kind of when you hear yourself talking about these things that you've been thinking and you've been working on and you've been feeling and, you know, it, it really helps you kind of come into yourself. Um, and there's power in sharing it with other people and having other people hold that space with you as well. Um, so it's really beautiful and, and being able to do it virtually, we've all learned how to do that, you know, over the course of the pandemic and everything, but it's wonderful to be able to have those experiences in person when you can, and it's tough to get a large group of people together, um, you know, especially nowadays and, you know, going to like the, the jack of all trades thing, you know, it made me think when you were talking about that it is kind of ingrained in our culture, right? You have to work all of these hours, do all of these things, then you have to have a side hustle and then a side hustle on top of your side hustle. And if you're not doing all of those things, then then what are you doing? But when you're talking about what you do, what Lily was doing as a sound healer on the last one, it reminded me of a lecture that I was listening to a week or so ago. And I wish I remembered who was actually talking about this right now. Um, hopefully I'll remember and can put it in the notes or something like that. Uh, but they were saying that, you know, one of the big things when in awakening and when you're manifesting or trying to manifest and fifth dimensional consciousness, a lot of people think it's just love and it's just, you know, visualizing and this, and they were saying the one thing that people miss is care. You have to be doing what you're doing with care. And that is something that really weaves that fabric together um, because you're doing it because you absolutely love it. So you, the people at, um, you know, the farmer's market are putting care into the food that they're creating, you know, um, and, and what you're putting out. And that's what really brings purpose to that. And I thought that that was so cool and so beautiful the way that that whoever it was, I'm sorry, I forget, said that. Um, but but it ties in exactly with with what you're just saying with being able to have that community in the way that you're able to doing it do it you're doing it out of care for everyone and allowing this space for for people to grow and then showing different paths and people who um care and have this purpose and are able to put it out you know with some of the people that you're able to bring in and i think that helps cuz people will be able to pick and choose and gravitate towards what actually they, they need to gravitate towards. So, um, you know, as we've talked about, and you brought it up a couple of times is fifth dimensional consciousness. And I would, I would love if maybe, you know, I don't know if, you know, any of the listeners, or there's probably a few that maybe don't fully understand, um, or the concept or, or the idea of that. And I'm hoping maybe you can kind of, um, speak to it and, and give some information on it. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what I always lean into is that um, the fifth dimension isn't a place, it's a frequency. And, you know, I'm not going to break down how the energy in our body works today, you know, like fully. Um, Gaia has a bunch, Gaia.com has a bunch of different programming and different things on it, but um Really, my understanding came from Matias to Stefano, and I watched his program initiation. Joe, Dis Dr. Joe Dispenza is another one that is great to look at. And really, what we're learning is is awakening is a conscious shift. And so, when we think about a conscious shift happening, as we shift what is possible in our minds, our vibration, the frequency that we're at the vibration of that frequency changes, right? And so when we talk about 3D or 5D, usually that means the third dimension, the fifth dimension, which is not a place, it's an experience. You know, so the third dimension is duality. The fourth dimension is about time. The fifth dimension is sort of shifting us into a space where it's timelessness. And duality doesn't exist in the same way. So a lot of the awakening process is us collapsing our beliefs around duality and what's possible. As we do that, then we start to vibrate at a, like our frequency raises, our vibration raises, 
and um, more things are possible. And so an example I would give that, that sort of happened recently was um, I was reading a meme that I posted on Instagram about cats. And it mentioned that like cats sort of work in the spiritual realm and, you know, like people say it all the time, right? If there's spirits or energy, cats like are looking around, you know, and can like sense it. So cats have a, have a different level of sense, although they're in the third dimension, they can sense more. And I've heard a lot that like dogs also can sense the same, but they're more um, at home in the, in the physical realm. So it's like when we think of it like man's best friend, dogs, and cats, like always the joke is, right? They do what they want when they want. And I think it's because they have an understanding more of what's happening. So anyways, I'm reading this and I knew that my 19-year-old cat wasn't coming to Costa Rica. And I knew probably about a month and a half after I left, it would be his time to like go to the spiritual realm. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm reading this and I was like, oh, I don't have a cat for the first time in like 19 years, right? And most of my life, I had my first one at eight years old. So most of my life, there has been a cat in my life. Even when I was in college, I dated a partner that had a cat. Um, so there's this idea that like, oh, I, did, I don't have that anymore. Tucker, my golden doodle, had to go out. It was in the middle of the night. I opened the door and I kid you not, five minutes later, when I opened the door, a cat ran inside. And so what I would say is, yeah, like it could be a coincidence, but it's almost like I had to have that realization that I'm missing having a cat. And then all of a sudden there was a cat. Or like another example is I was working on a video for social media that had a certain type of butterfly in it. And I had never thought about what type of butterfly that was or anything. It just was one coming out of a chrysalis. So I was like, amazing. And I kid you not, two hours later, I went outside and the same type of butterfly was on the butterfly bush, like in our courtyard. So yeah, we can say, oh, well, that's a coincidence. Like, or we believe so fully that things are more possible now and less time that now we actually can see that we do make our reality by our thoughts our feelings and our emotions and the more we clear our triggers during awakening the more we are open to more possibilities or things being true our gifts our power and that we actually are creators we're not here to be like oh i'm not enough i need to fix myself I have to be more, I have to have more degrees and more certificates before I can be me. No, it's like, you are you. No one's going to tell you how to be you. We just have to recognize our own power, our own beauty, our own, um, that we're on purpose. And that is our purpose, whoever we are, you know? And so we're having to like unwind from all of this to be like, oh my God, I'm enough. Oh my God, I'm on purpose. I have a purpose and I can just do that. And so, yeah, like the example, if you want to try playing sound bowls, go take that course, of course, like get training, learn, but also understand that even when you learn that, you likely will be called by your own intuition. If you're doing a sound bath or you're playing for yourself or your family, that you'll just be called to use a certain bowl a certain way and you'll just follow it and that will be healing. And so it's, it's like, and you will be compensated for sharing your gifts. So we have to let go of this idea that like, oh, I have to like have all these certificates and training to be real, to like be the thing. Yeah, there's some things that you will need to be trained to do, but most of it is just you having experiences. So if you want to facilitate plant medicine, go have a bunch of plant medicine experiences. And then do whatever training allows you to feel comfortable to offer it. But most likely, it's personal experience that you will be offering. So whatever you heal, you'll be helping people with that. Do you think that ego consciousness um, kind of blocks or a lot of people into getting into that fifth dimensional consciousness and fifth dimensional awakening? Because 
the way I I think about it and the way that I feel about it is, um, and I think that we've both talked about this before, we're both not really into the whole ego death thing. There is a purpose for the ego, um, and, and it serves that purpose, but it's understanding what that purpose is and being able to to separate it, right? It's kind of a protector, and it's protecting almost from past traumas and wounds and things and saying, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And also, it's also putting those judgments on you where you have to have this job or this title and those things. And it's kind of trying to keep you in that protected state as opposed to just being yourself and and letting yourself be, which is that kind of delineation, um, at least in my mind. And, and I'm probably not you know, vocally, verbally expressing it in, in the best way. In my head, it makes a lot more sense. But I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the ego and ego consciousness and if it's a tool that can be utilized to help um, understand and get to fifth dimensional consciousness or are most people using it uh, or not using it rather. It's, it's more of a block for them and they're not able to break through and get to that fifth, dim fifth dimension consciousness consciousness fifth dimensional consciousness <laughs> so so it's both right so the ego i think presents beautiful opportunities for us to grow and see what needs to be healed and at the same time if we are unconscious and not witnessing it and working with it it will block us as well so I think the thing that I've seen most recently since the 1212 portal, and, and I'm not someone that's like portal this, portal that, oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing. But it's like, I definitely, as I studied Gene Keys and I get the newsletter for the Gene Keys Pulse and I've been guided to make posts um, about that energy because for five and a half days, that um, Gene Key or like, which is the I Ching, um, that energy is coming into the planet. That's what we're working with. And I see the themes through my clients, through especially those that have that gene key in their chart. Um, I see the energy playing out. So I've been called to record transmissions where I'm channeling information. I've been called um, to share what's happening on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok. And it's been interesting to see that a lot of people right now, um, relationships or contracts, soul contracts are coming to the end with a lot of people. And so a lot of relationships are ending or jobs are ending or situations are being cleared for people to step into their purpose, to step into a higher frequency, to, to what I would say, it's like the liberation of your soul from conditions, you know, we can say the matrix, we can say the third dimension, the third density. Um, but it, it's, if we're participating, like it's a gift, and it's happening for us, you're moving through it much easier, even if some of it is challenging. It's really the mindset shift of seeing that everything is happening for you, and participating that way. And it doesn't mean you're not like having emotional breakdowns, or like crying, or like getting angry likely a suppressed emotion is coming up from parallel lives and and your trauma in this life is what's clearing the parallel life or the past life or however other timelines that however we want to talk about it so you don't have to understand it all you just have to participate with what's happening in the present moment but i've witnessed a lot of people in my sphere or clients or in the community or friends um that I'm witnessing a lot of people being stuck in victim consciousness. And that definitely is in association with the ego. And, you know, I don't even call the ego a bad thing. I don't get overly focused on my shadow. They're all necessary parts that need our attention. So our inner child, inner teen, young adult, infant in utero all of that i'm working to clear blocks with people i'm having to do it myself as well and follow that and call in practitioners to support me so i don't ask anyone to do something i'm not already doing i think comes from 
being able to be present and stay in the present moment and witness what's happening and not be afraid to be vulnerable, not be afraid to mess up, not be afraid of conflict, because there really is beauty in the breakdown of every situation if you can stay with it. And really, the ego, when it isn't helpful, is when the ego comes in and then is like, nope, don't have to do that. Like, already did that. And that's where we start talking about spiritual ego versus, I don't know, regular ego, um, is that a lot of times we start bypassing spiritually something that needs to happen. So an example might be, um, let's just say, like, you have trust issues and, you know, your caregivers didn't help you to trust and then maybe you had a bad experience with religion or your family wasn't religious or spiritual so you're having trouble surrendering to source to the unknown to what's happening that's a big part of awakening and that's a big part of the energetics right now to go from obscurity to idealism to light um and so the idea is is we have to start believing in more than we know is possible in order to create a frequency that gives us access to, to higher experiences. And so um, it's just been interesting to watch how the ego plays into, you know, our protection. It protects our younger parts, our inner child, all of these parts. But when we're reintegrating and have like a memory of when I was five and I went to a skating party or, you know, whatever the example is, and I had this experience and then we remember it, you're having that memory to clear that thing, to feel that emotion so you can be free of it. So you can reintegrate that five-year-old part that's been stuck there or like going to school and realizing other kids could read and you couldn't. And maybe that made you think a certain way about how smart you were. You know, I've, I've had tons of people that have those early school experiences and so then we have to catch when the ego shows up and says like, oh, well, you don't need to worry about that. Like, don't think about that and like kind of directs us away from it to say, oh, wait, hold on. Hey, ego. And I always use the car as an example. Get in the back seat. Have a snack. You don't have to not be a part of this, but I'm actually here as the adult and I'm going to help this five-year-old part of me. So I like picture my five-year-old sitting in the front seat. Don't get on me, parents, about, like, the car seat in this vision. Um, we'll, we're just going to stay with it because normally they wouldn't sit in the front seat. But um, basically, it's like my five-year-old sitting in the front seat. I'm driving. You know, I'm in the car driving. But, you know, I'm listening to what my five-year-old's telling me. Do you have a message for me? Or do I need to comfort you and say, like, hey, here's a snack. Here's a juice box we're going to drive to the park and we're going to go have fun and I'm going to hear you and take care of you and nurture you how, how maybe your parent wasn't able to do at the time when you had this hard experience that left you with a trapped emotion or suppressed emotion. We have to learn to work with the ego and recognize its wisdom and brilliance. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It, it, it makes me think, um, you know, the metaphor you're saying, it's like I was talking to my sister the other day about this. Say I'm walking down the street and I see someone or run into someone and they have a similar similar characteristics or a facial feature or something that reminds me of someone I crossed paths with in the past and maybe that interaction made me feel less than myself, right? It made me feel bad in some sort of way, right? So I look at this person and because of this little facial feature or something, right, I automatically make a judgment, right? And that judgment causes, you know, uh, creates something where there's now conflict in, in the, you know, how we're engaging, you know, in one another. And then the fifth dimensional consciousness is saying, well, I'm, I'm not here to judge. I don't judge. That's like that's just another version of you what is this trying to tell you right um you know what is this showing you and i think it's that recognition of it and you said it earlier um when you were talking about you know fifth dimension doesn't have you know duality right and so the way i'm thinking about it now based on what you were saying it's just kind of like 
the ego is that like duality almost of like good bad it's like grading things or you know make helping make that distinction whereas fifth dimensional consciousness is just there and saying yes but like it's constantly saying i'm not judging but you're learning and you're growing and this is all here for purpose it's here for reason um and i think that's at least in my mind that's how i'm starting to internalize it and understand it uh, a little bit more what what would you tell someone who is on their awakening journey maybe at the beginning of it or maybe at a dip in the process where they're struggling and maybe based on what their family might be thinking about their journey or their friends or those types of things you've spoken a lot about leaving things that don't serve you any longer right and being able to recognize that and that can be really scary um, and also people will put a lot of pressure on themselves. So what would you, what would you tell someone who's maybe, you know, struggling in, in opening that up? I mean, I think the biggest thing, and you've experienced this, I have other people that I work with that are experiencing this, is when you get to a certain point, you hit the void. And that's when you're not who you were, and you're not who you're becoming yet, and you have to get really comfortable with like the discomfort of that moment. I think there's many of those moments leading up to that. So really, you know, in Buddhist, in Buddhism, they talk about uh, attachment, right? And we know attachment as like a developmental, emotional process, like process, right? Um, how, how we are in relationship with others is usually where it comes up, but really, an ego process is attachment. We're attached to having things. We're attached to being things. We're attached to this external uh, mask or identity that we've created that keep us safe. And a lot of awakening is peeling that back layer by layer, letting it go, letting it dissipate, and really coming down to your unique qualities that make you Matthew and me Amy and you know whoever. Um, because I'm not even my name, I'm a frequency. And I'm a frequency that's here to do things. And most of the time for me, it's like trigger people or help people shift their timelines or help people see more, you know, work with their intuition and clarity. Um, so if you're new to the process, it's how can you stay in the present moment longer, little by little? So um, one way I talk about it is, if you're present in this moment and something happens, can you return to the present moment? And once you, like almost like a strand of pearls, once you string enough pearls together, you're in flow, you're staying in the present moment. You know, it's not getting broken, but you have to string enough of those moments together and practice being present to anything that happens. And that is acceptance. And that's why so many, so many people's journey is, healing what they thought should have happened in their family, seeing what actually was possible, even by the circumstances, the culture, the time that we lived in, that we actually thought our life should have been different, a lot of us. And what we realize is we're holding a vision for the new earth. That's not what happened in our past. And it was likely impossible for it to happen in our past. So a lot of awakening is realizing getting into acceptance you know with our parents with our siblings with our jobs our boss whatever the situation is that they're just being who they're supposed to be and also we're not the main character of anybody else's story it's ours so we have to start showing up for ourselves in a way that's life-giving in a way that sets healthy boundaries that maintains our energy that nurtures us and so many people get stuck because they didn't have it growing up, but they're like flawed or something's wrong with them. And it takes them so long to get out of that place and be like, I am worthy. And you can know that, but there's a gap between those things. And so a lot of times it's, um, oh, I am worthy and it's okay for me to say that I have needs. I am worthy and it's actually necessary for me to not go out every night and be around people all the time. So I know what it's like to be in my own energy. You know, it might involve like stop 
using alcohol or recreational drugs so we know what our baseline is. Um, and really managing anxiety and depression as messages. Oh, there's a message that something needs to be shifted or healed. Those are, those are like the basics of it. And then, you know, like the um, holistic psychologist, uh, Dr. Nicole Caprilla, I think. Yeah. Uh, you're close. Yeah, I'm close. Um, like her book, Doing the Work. That's a great book. Uh, Whatever Arises, Love That by Matt Kahn. That's a great one. Um, trying to think of other books. Any of Brené Brown's books, amazing. Um, listening to podcasts, awesome. And then really checking out your social media feed and doing a cleanse. Is this life-giving or do I have resistance? Do I get triggered? It's fine to have triggers. You're not going to protect yourself from all of that. But it doesn't mean you have to immerse yourself in it, you know. And I have a lot of people in my sphere that are intentionally, like, I, one of the big things that I did during Awakening was, like, I have one Facebook page. I have one Instagram page. And I was called to go on TikTok, which I never thought I would do, which has been amazing. The spiritual community on there is awesome. But you also have to look at and be like, every little bit, are there creators that it's not resonating with me? You know, or that are they, or even friends sending you messages or whatever it is, are there boundaries you need to set to maintain peace in your life, to maintain flow, to whatever? It's not to say you can't add them back in, or maybe you decide this actually isn't life giving and supportive to me, so I'm not going to follow this. Um, those are things, even music you listen to, what you watch, who are your friends, you know, places that you frequent, you start noticing the frequency and how you're impacted. So that's why a lot of people are by themselves a lot, because it's a lot to take in and to, to sense. But eventually, it's like riding a bike. Once you get it, you're able to stay in flow and notice, oh, actually, I'm really dysregulated right now, or that threw me off. And you can do a process with it very quickly. Or a lot of the people in my community, I offer check-ins. So I'll get a message and we'll hop on the phone or hop on Zoom to help get you back in a space. So if I'm not seeing you for a week or two, you're not having to stay there. We can get clarity. And eventually my clients or community say, yeah, I thought about you and I thought about what you would tell me. And then I did the things and I didn't. You know, and that's why I use the riding the bike, right? It's like eventually you get it and every little piece becomes curiosity and fun and play eventually. Yeah. Well, and I think it, being able to, like you said, you you offer that, um, those check-ins and, and the people being able to do it, right? Before we started recording today, I told you I, that I almost reached out to you and said I needed to check in earlier this week. And I should have just done it and I knew I needed to. And I thought about it so many times and I saw what I was doing in response to something. And I knew that what I was doing didn't align with me, but I kept not dealing with it and reaching out to it and, and, and confronting it. So the way I was escaping from it just kept getting worse and worse. And I was feeling worse, not only about myself, but then just in everything I was wanting to do every day, I was lacking that passion, that love, those things, because I was vibrating at a, at a lower vibration because I, I just hadn't. And so, yeah, I would just tack on to the end there. If you, if you feel like reaching out to someone, whether it's Amy or, or somebody else, then, then do that because, you know, those connections are, are extremely important and it's extremely important for you to know that you have that and, and that support from others, right? Yeah. Well, and the other piece is sometimes we have soul contracts with people and, and the thing that we're needing to do might be really important to like our journey, their journey. And the thing I'd like to add is, the whole thing that one person can't make a difference is also like not true by us doing our healing work on our path. It has a massive ripple effect in our families in our friend groups and the communities that we're a part of at our jobs, at, you know, everywhere. You could talk to someone at the grocery store and maybe you're activating them or like shifting their timeline. So really it's just to understand that everyday magic is happening. 
you know, you are eliminating other people's paths and other people's purposes and maybe changing their life with one small interaction. You could, you know, be at a restaurant, have a specific server, and maybe their entire life has changed, has changed by something you say or a tip you leave or whatever it is. Yeah. The smallest thing can have, have the biggest cause yeah. the biggest difference and have a crazy ripple effect that we can't even fathom right yeah absolutely um, and how that happens so well thank you so much for sharing all of that of with course. us of course thank and you thank you for being here with me yeah of course well also before we get out of here i do have to hit you with a couple of rapid fire questions so people can get to know you a little bit more but in a much quicker format so i guess we'll start out with what is something people often get wrong about you that I'm bulletproof, I think, that um, I am kind of a tough cookie and I can handle a lot, but I'm actually very sensitive and thoughtful. Um, and so I think that that's sort of one of the things, one of my, one of my, uh, let me think of the word, coping mechanisms was to be okay. And so I think that that's, one of those things that people always expect me to be able to handle the chaos or if something comes up. And um, so sometimes I have to juggle that um, stereotype. I can definitely see that you do. I never like would have used the word bulletproof. And now that you have, I definitely see that in you. You seem like just very grounded <laughs> and very strong. Um, so, all right, on to the next one. Um, a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your everyday life. What is one snapshot that brings you joy? Playing fetch with my dog, Tucker, out on our property and sitting in the hammock, just sort of taking in nature, like the hummingbirds, the birds, the monkeys. Um, Costa Rica really just makes you want to be more present in the moment. Love that. Love that. What is a concert you will always remember? Green Sky Bluegrass at Red Rocks was such a beautiful concert like the wind was blowing there was so much energy and the rocks was just a force of force of nature itself red rocks is just a force of nature itself um the you know there's nothing like it you can't find music like that anywhere else yeah it's super magical there i think any show but green sky bluegrass was probably pretty amazing um yeah what is a favorite meal that you crave Sushi. Sushi all the time. I love it, salmon. I love tuna, the freshness. And it just, I don't know, it just has this freshness and, and naturalness to it. And the simplicity of sort of, you know, knowing that your food is so fresh and then it tastes so good. Yeah, I love sushi too. Um, what is on top of your list to create in 2023? Ooh, that one is a hard one. Well, the first one on the list actually was creating this podcast. So we're doing great so far. And then um, really just bringing more mindfulness and self-care to people's lives. So I'm live at 6 a.m. Central Time on TikTok. And that's just getting rolling. And it's been really exciting. And, and also being able to do immersion retreats in Costa Rica and other beautiful places to allow people to come uh, connect and work virtually and in person so you can really move through all the things that are going on in your life and get to experience beautiful places awesome i love that and for everybody listening at the very end you will be able to have all the resources that you need to find amy on tiktok instagram and her through her website but i'll also make sure to put it in the show notes so you'll be able to find those websites and find those links in the show notes as well um couple quick final questions um, what is the last thing you binged or loved streaming? The Handmaid's Tale, hands down. <laughs> that That is such a good show. I haven't watched the last season, which I know I need to. It's just so intense, and I just haven't been in the space for the intensity of it, but I've loved every season up to that. I never read the book. Did you read the book? I didn't read the book, but this last season, in my opinion, I mean, kind of can't forget the first right because it's the introduction of the whole premise but after that this season has been the best season so far i think all right that's high praise i'm gonna watch it 
Um, all right. And to round things out, what is a favorite movie of yours? Pride and Prejudice, hands down. Um, I remember seeing that at the Denver Film Festival in 2005 and the lighting in that film and how they shot it, how they used the score and different music over and over again in a little bit different way. It's just so beautiful. And then, of course, like we, we know the story, but Kira Knightley knocks it out of the park. It's just one of my favorite and I watch it over and over. I'm going to add that one to my short list. It's been quite a while since I've seen that. Maybe since like when it first came out. Yeah. So I'm going to add it to my list so I don't just like doom scroll on Netflix and Amazon Prime and such looking for totally, something. Totally, right? right? That's such a thing right now. Such a thing. I spend two hours like looking for something to watch and then it's time to not watch anything. And I just, you know, wasted all of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, well, wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us and, you know, diving into everything and having fun with these rapid fire questions. Um, and so thank you for holding the space and thank you for, for sharing with everyone. And I'm excited for everyone to hear this. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you everybody for listening to episode two of Everyday Illumination. If you enjoyed this conversation or the previous conversation, please remember to share with your friends. And if you feel like it, we would be honored if you would subscribe, like, rate, and or review the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. We're on Apple Music, we are on Amazon, we are on Spotify, we are on iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you will be able to find podcasts. Amy, can you tell people where they can find you? Yes, if you'd like to follow my journey or work with me, you can find me as The Illuminated Psychologist on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook soon to be YouTube. And my uh, web address is Amy, A-M-Y, L as in Larry, E-I, T as in Tom, E-R, Lighter, amylighter.com. Thanks so much.